Uh, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to take them right now. We're going to spend uh, just a few minutes together this morning in the book of Acts, uh, and then we're going to celebrate some baptisms together. But going all the way back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we've looked at this verse many times, but it reminds us why we do what we do. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the words say this, Jesus was just about to ascend into heaven, so he's got his closest followers with him uh, for one last talk, all right? He's got these final words. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, spoken 2,000 years ago to his closest followers, these words outline God's will for his people and for his church today. You know, that we will be his witnesses in Noblesville, in Hamilton County, in central Indiana, and even beyond. And so what I want to do is I want to spend a few minutes with you this morning looking at the life of one man, uh, looking at the life of one guy, a guy by the name of Philip, Philip recognized the plan God had for his life and he was doing everything in his power to live in God's will to be that witness that Jesus had proclaimed in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And so if you're in Acts, now flip over to Acts chapter 8 if you would, starting in verse 26 uh, and we'll pick up there in just a moment. Uh, By the time we get to Acts chapter 8, I want you to see, I want you to know that Philip and a number of followers of Jesus Christ had fled Jerusalem, left their home uh, and their home church, going to live about 35 miles north in an area outside of Jerusalem known as Samaria. And while in Samaria, Philip and others joined God in the work that he was already doing in that location. It's kind of like what we're going to do as we expand into Carmel. We're not going there to start God's work. He's already there. All right, he's already working. We're just simply going to join him and partner him in the work that he's already preparing for us. Now, in Samaria, there's this new church coming together. And as a result of this new church, there were hundreds of people putting their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. And so there's this great revival taking place all throughout Samaria. And Philip was a key player as in this work and as a leader of this church. And again, I just want you to see that he's following God's will for his life. He's obeying. He's following the leading of the Spirit. And I want you to look and see what happens as we pick up here in Acts 8, beginning in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road. Now realize that means leave Samaria, leave all of the work that is happening. I want you to go south down this road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so it says he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And what I want you to see right here as we get started in this is this. That, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this again in a few minutes. This is a divine appointment here. God's up to something. All right, there, there is something that's about to happen. There is a work that has been happening in this Ethiopian man's life. And now there's this intersection of two lives. There's Philip being obedient to God as a witness. And there's this Ethiopian man. God's about to change a life. And, 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 and I want to point out a couple of things. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Just an observation right here from the start. God has chosen to partner with us to change the lives with, of others. God, God has chosen you and me to partner with him to change the lives of others. I mean, that's just the way he works. Now, I I can't help but look at this and think, why doesn't God just do the work himself? I mean, why choose to use us? I mean, just eliminate the middleman, you know, send the angel directly to the Ethiopian. But God has chosen to partner with the Phillips of the world. He's chosen to partner with people like you and me, imperfect people, to share the good news 
of Christ's love. Now, now look at those verses again. And I want you to notice that the angel gives Philip a very specific instruction here. Uh, The angel says, go south. Now, that word south can also be translated and in some manuscripts as the word noon, 12 o'clock. All right. And so notice that it's a desert road. It's noon. So that means it's hot. You know, and here God sends Philip, one of the most significant leaders of the church in this time, away from hundreds of lives that are being saved down this deserted road in the middle of the desert during the hottest part of the day. And it just leads me to another observation again in your notes, and that is that God will go to great lengths to change the life, to reach one person. Our God will go to great lengths to reach one person. You know, Luke chapter 15, a great chapter for you to look at. Uh, is a great peek into the heart of our God. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories, three stories to help us understand what his God is like. There's the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin and the lost son. And, and Jesus says, you know, my, my God is like the shepherd who's got a hundred sheep, but one of them is missing and, and he's not willing to relax. He, he can't sleep until the one is found. He says, my God is like the woman in the story who, who owns ten coins, but one is missing. And she frantically searches through all of the house until she finds that lost one so that they're all back together. And Jesus says, you know, my God is like the, the father in the story who has two sons. And the son comes along and takes all of his inheritance and abandons the family, makes a mess of his life, loses everything that he has. The scripture says that when he had reached his end, He starts back towards home and it's kind of a fearful, what do I expect when I get home sort of a journey. And he arrives back at the house only to find that the father has thrown a party to welcome him back. That's the heart of our God. You know, that's what Jesus says. And that describes the church that we want to be. You know, this is the church that we want to be, that we will go to great lengths to reach one more person. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of the history of this church. It's why we give money to support other ministries and other opportunities here locally and around the world. Uh, it's why we're expanding our auditorium and our Gen Kids space to make room for more people. It's why we're going to start another campus in Carmel and it's not going to end there. And we're trusting God that He's got more in mind, even beyond that we will go to great lengths as a church to reach even one more person. Now, I need you to know this. Because this is our passion, we will be criticized for it. I just want you to know that right from the start, that because our passion is about reaching more people, there will be people that will come along and criticize Genesis Church, saying, well, Genesis is just all about the numbers. And I know that there will be people who will say, well, yeah, Paul, he's just all about the numbers. They're just so caught up in the numbers. And, I mean, just mark my words. I mean, you probably have heard some of that and maybe... Maybe it's even crossed your mind. You know, people say all sorts of things. You know, they'll, they'll say, you know, church people will say, well, our church really isn't into the numbers. We're, we're into quality. You know, uh, we're, we're not into quantity. We're into quality or we're into maturity. We're really not into the numbers. And I'll just tell you, that sounds great and all, but it's not biblical. I mean, it sounds noble, but it's not biblical because over and over again, we see in Scripture that our God is willing to go to the greatest lengths to reach even one more person. I mean, imagine it like this. I've got three kids, all right, and, and that's true. I, I'm not imagining that. I mean, I really do have three kids, all right, and, and suppose I decided this afternoon to take my three kids, just me and my three kids, to Castleton Mall. Now, I'll just tell you, I would never do anything like that, all right, but it's just a story, all right, to illustrate a point. But suppose I took my three kids to Castleton Mall. We hung out there for a few hours. I come home, walk in the door. My wife meets me there, and she's like, Paul, um, You've only got two kids with you. You know, there's a problem here. And, and I look around and I'm like, well, well, honey, 
let's not make this about the numbers, all right? I mean, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm into quality, not quantity. I mean, why, why are we always counting the numbers? You know, let's just be thankful for what we have. Let, let's be about maturing the ones, you know, that God has trusted. It, that's ridiculous, right? All right, that doesn't fly. I mean, for my wife and I, the numbers matter. You know, every night before we go to bed, we walk around and we count heads to make sure, you know, that everybody in the house is accounted for. I mean, that's just what we do. The numbers matter to us. And, and do the numbers matter to Genesis Church? You bet they do. And, and I just want to tell you right now that if you ever come across anyone who's saying, yeah, is that Genesis Church, are they just all about the numbers? Will you set them straight and say, yes, you're correct. We are about the numbers. We're pretty crazy about the numbers. And we believe that if our God is willing to go to great lengths to reach one more per- person, you know what? We're willing to do that too, right? All right, can I get an amen or can I get some clapping or something like that? That's just who we are been listening to Stephen Furtick too much. All right, here we go. All right, back to the text. You know, with no explanation, God tells Philip to go to a desert road in the heart of the day. And I love how verse 27 is written. It says this, so he started out. He doesn't know why. It probably seems like a ridiculous idea and a lot to ask. Yet this simple statement is, I think, is a significant point of application for every single one of us here today. That God calls Philip obeys, and for you and me, when God calls you, you need to obey. When God calls you, you need to obey in your life. And, you know, maybe right now he's been prompting you to forgive someone. You know, maybe as a witness, he's got someone in mind for you, a phone call that you need to make, a walk that you need to take across the street, or a note that you need to write. Maybe God has been trying to get you to, to give some money or something to a charitable organization. Maybe he's guiding you in your life right now to surrender to him. And trust him, maybe he's been prompting you to get baptized. When God calls, you and I need to learn this, you know, this habit of obeying and responding as God calls us to do. And when God calls this church, we've got to obey. We've got to follow him in that. I like what Oswald Chambers says. I don't know if we have this quote here for you or not, but he says, You will learn more about the Holy Spirit in five minutes of personal obedience than in five years of intellectual study. God tells Philip to go down this road. Philip doesn't know why. He doesn't understand everything, but, but he just listens. He, he starts out down the desert road, and look again what happens in, in verse 27. It says, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. All right, he, he meets this man, a eunuch. Now, we've just got to stop there for a second because some of you are wondering to yourselves, I think I know what a eunuch is. I've maybe heard some rumors, but I'm not really sure. Chances are, if you've heard some rumors, they're probably true, all right? And let me just give you a little little background here. In those days, if you worked with the king's harem or if you worked with the queen, uh, then as a man, you were oftentimes castrated. All right, they, they were castrated to make sure that nothing inappropriate would happen. I mean, it, it was just a part of the job. Now, I remember one of the churches that I used to serve at, we were required to wear a suit and tie, all right? I thought that was a really big deal, all right? That's nothing, you know, compared to what this guy has to go through. But here's this guy from Africa, all right? And verse 27 says that he was an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, scholars believe that this particular man was a part, was from a, a part of the, of the world, a region known as the northern Sudan. Now, in ancient culture, the Sudan was considered the southernmost part of the world. 
All right, people just didn't know if there was anything beyond it. And I, I just think it's pretty cool to see what's happening here, that the good news of Jesus Christ is getting ready to make this historic leap, this geographical jump that it's never made to this point in history. And a few things about this Ethiopian man. He's obviously impressive. All right, I mean, he's over the treasury of this particular queen, so he's basically the minister of finance. His status is revealed in the fact that he's got a personal chariot, which would be like driving a Bentley or something. But the most significant thing that I want you to see about this man is he is searching for God. He's searching for answers for significance, and boy, is he searching. I mean, he traveled over a thousand miles one way to visit this temple in Jerusalem that he had heard about. And now he's been there, and evidently his deepest questions are yet to be answered because now he's turned around and he's on his way home. He's still searching, and I'm just reminded of the verse in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, that says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. But our God promises us that if you seek Him and you seek Him with all of your heart, that He will be found. And and I find encouragement in a verse like this as we're reminded for because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, that He sent His only Son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for our sins, that God paid the price with Jesus. He ransomed our lives with Jesus Christ. In just a little while, people are going to come out from behind this curtain and they're going to be baptized and you're going to see that every single one of them is wearing a shirt that says, Alive. And it's a proclamation that they are no longer dead to sin, but they are alive in Jesus Christ, that He is our fulfillment that Jesus Christ is the answer to every question that you've ever had. And if you haven't found him yet, I just want to encourage you this morning to keep searching. Keep searching. Keep coming. Get involved. Ask questions. Be patient. Seek God because if you seek him, he promises that you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and soul. Notice what happens next. Acts 8 verse 29, it says the spirit, notice that God's working here. This isn't Philip just on his own. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And that's what God wants for us. You know, this this is what he's called us to. Again, a life of obedience, a life where we have obedience in everything. As individuals and as a church, that we are his witnesses. We are his ambassadors to this world. That we're here to help people find their way back to God. And a few things that I want you to see in this as we think about what it means to follow God, to be obedient to him. Following God means, if you're taking notes, following God means that He will lead you out of your comfort zone. You can be guaranteed of that. That our God will lead you out of your comfort zone. And we'd like to think that God will keep us all comfortable and cozy and warm in every situation and circumstance with our life, that it's a priority or something. But let's remember, when God has a plan, it's always for His reasons and it's for His glory. It's not for mine. It's not for yours. It's not for our church. There is no guarantee that what God calls you to will be comfortable. And so God said, Philip, I know it's hot. I know it's a desert road, but just go down this road. And the second thing that I see as we think about following God is that close proximity to people far from God is required. You know, if you think about following God, if you want to be more and more like Jesus, if you're seeking to live as he lived, close proximity to people far from God is required. It means that you and I are going to need to get close to some chariots in our life. You're going to have to find some of those people in your life that God has put around you. You know, there is no way that Philip could influence this man unless he got close to him. And I I just can't tell you how that's a big reminder to me, you know, because I know and I recognize as a pastor, it's easy for me to spend all of my time with church people. And I love you. I love spending time with you. But but I have to be reminded that I got to get away. I got to get outside of things once in a while so that I can get around some people who are far from God too. It reminds me that my neighbors count. 
It reminds me of family members in my life who don't yet know Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of this every time that I go to play basketball down in Carmel. I've been doing that for a few years now. And every time I walk into this gym now, it's like God says, Paul, I know you're coming to have a good time and get some exercise. But remember, there's more work here to be done. I mean, it's taken on a greater meaning for me, you know, even playing basketball, you know, with these other guys. You know, what, what's the chariot look like in your life? What's the chariot that God is calling you to? You know, your chariot might be a grocery store where you shop. Uh, it might be your office. It could be the bank you use or could be the mom's group that you're a part of or the play date group that you get together with regularly. Uh, maybe your chariot is a, uh, your kid's class where you volunteer right now. Maybe it's the team uh, that you help coach. You know, again, proximity matters. The people around you matter. They are not there on accident and you aren't either. You know, God wants to use us. He wants to partner with us. Who's he put in your life? And notice what happens again, verse 30. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Here's this man, this Ethiopian. He's reading from the scriptures. He's reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? I I just want you to notice here that that Philip notices the man is reading and notices that he starts on this guy's agenda. I mean, he doesn't rush in with an agenda on his own. He, He just asks a question. He's ready to listen. I think we can learn from that. And then in verse 31, the Ethiopian replies, How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So evidently this guy's got the two-chair, you know, chariot model, all right, the very classy version. You know, he invites Philip to come up and sit with him in this chariot. And what's the man reading? Verse 32 says, The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. Again, remember, he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And if you're looking at your own Bible, you might find that the text is offset here so that you realize this. It says this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Who's he reading about? He's reading about Jesus. He's reading from the Old Testament here. And and we know that he's reading from Isaiah. and, And these words come out of Isaiah chapter 53. And I can't think of a chapter in the Old Testament that that better teaches about the coming Messiah, this Jesus Christ, than Isaiah 53, as it talks about sin, as it talks about a Savior, as it talks about the importance of a sacrifice, as this chapter reminds us what Jesus did for us. And then verse 35 says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture... And what did he do? He told him the good news about Jesus. And again, I just want you to notice the unselfish, servant-like attitude of Philip. He's sharing his faith. I mean, what's it mean for you and I to share, you know, my faith, our faith with others? You know, sharing your faith with others is about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's not sharing your morals. It's not sharing values. Sharing your faith is not about your political agenda or telling people what they're doing wrong. Sharing your faith is about telling other people about Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. And that's what Philip is doing for this man. He just says, you know what? Here's the good news. Here's the good news of Jesus. And in verse 36, we discover the response of the Ethiopian. It's been this long journey. He's been searching. He's finally found what he's looking for. And when Philip shared the good news, he must have also talked about believing and repentance, and salvation, and baptism. Because look at what happens next. Verse 36 says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Just notice this question. Why shouldn't I be baptized? 
It's a question of surrender. It's about a next step. You know, this was not a decision to be put off. The Ethiopian understood baptism. He understood it as an act of obedience. And that's a good reminder for us. You know, baptism is an act of obedience. It's a next step that people take. It's an example. It's a representation of someone who has already put their trust in Jesus and now they're standing before their church and their family and their friends publicly to proclaim it. That I have been changed. I've been changed forever. I mean, when you trust God, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, baptism is the next best step. It's the first step of obedience in your life. And, and this was the way that this man said, Hey, I have found what I'm looking for. I, I've trusted Jesus Christ with my life. And in verse 38, he gives orders for the chariot to stop. And verse 38 says this, And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Two things real quick, and then we celebrate some baptisms. The first thing is this, just to be reminded of this today. God is ready to use you. You need to know that, that God is ready to do some awesome, amazing things in your life. He wants to use you. He wants to use every single one of us. And God specifically, he, he leads Philip into this divine appointment so that he could share his faith with this man. And what he did for Philip, I just want you to know that he wants to do for you and me too. God is ready to use you. There are divine appointments all around us waiting for you. And it might be the person that's sitting next to you on the plane tomorrow. It might be the lady that you're getting to know at the bakery, at your grocery store. Uh, It might be the person who cuts your hair. It could be the person that works in the cube next to you. It could be the transfer student that just moved in across the hall this semester. I can't explain how it works. I don't understand why God chooses to use you and me, but it happens. And all of a sudden, before you know it, your life intersects with someone else. And at the right moment, in the right season, you know, over time, there's this eternal change that takes place. God's ready to use you. God's ready to use this church for even greater things. The second thing that I want to remind us of is really a question. But it's the question, is today your divine appointment? Is this the day that God had in mind for you in your life? You know, maybe you've moved here, you've started coming to Genesis. You might even be here as a guest today. And you don't have a lot of explanation why you're sitting in this room. And, but all you know is this, that God's been doing something in your life. You know, you're asking some questions that you've never asked before and, and God's working on your heart. And what he said to the Ethiopian man, he just says to you and me today, just come, come as you are. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek with all of your heart. You know, and the Ethiopian didn't delay. He didn't put it off. He put his faith in Jesus Christ and he was baptized right there. And, and again, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate life change in this room as we baptize kids and students and adults who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. Baptism is their next step. But I want to ask you this morning, what's your next step? What's your next step today? Let's pray. God, I want to thank you uh, for all of the people that are here today. I want to thank you for the lives that we're going to celebrate in just a moment, those lives uh, that have been changed forever uh, by you and by your great work and by Jesus Christ. As We're excited to celebrate life change. We're excited to celebrate baptisms today, God. We're trusting you for all things. But I want to pray right now for those that are here that are asking the question, what's my next step? And maybe even recognizing right now that today is their divine appointment with you. And they're ready to trust you with their life, with their eternity forever.
We thank you for that change. We thank you for that movement by you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, before we sing, I just want to remind you, Michael and Tracy are in the back. Michael and Tracy, put your hands up. they got red shirts on. Uh, We're going to sing a song here. We're going to celebrate some baptisms. If God's moving in your heart and you know there's a next step that you need to take right now, I want you to go find uh, these guys. They'll be waiting in the back and they'd love to talk with you this morning.